I would encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to open up to Matthew chapter 5 with me. Uh, it has been a uh, very strange week, hasn't it? Um, very, very strange. And, uh, you know, I was sharing with the elders in our meeting before we, uh, before the meeting, essentially, uh, the elders meeting before the meeting, when we get together and pray, just uh, last night, I just, I just started feeling the weight of all this, and um, the Lord is so kind. I just, I just heard, that it was about, probably about 10.30, and the warm weather clothes on, I, I probably looked scary if someone saw me, because I had my face mask with, you know, because it was cold last night, and I just went for a walk, and I just prayed, and, uh, and, and just listened for the Lord's voice, and, and, you know, he reminded me last night of who's in charge. And he also reminded me that it's not our job as the church to merely know about the way of Jesus, but to practice the way of Jesus. And that was good because it's similar to the sermon that I'm preaching today, and I needed to be reminded last night. It's not just about knowing, it's about doing. As I was preparing for this message, really, uh, I don't remember how long ago this was, but a while back, I had been reading through this passage, and the Lord just highlighted to me the words of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and, uh, and that's what we're going to focus on today, but we're going to read verses 13 through 16, just for the context of where we are, and so here's what it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? underfoot by men you were the light of the world a city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lamp stand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven this is god's word can we just praise the lord for his word this morning lord thank you for giving us your word lord thank you for uh, for taking the time over the centuries to compile these texts which were inspired in the hearts of men by the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you spoke to us. We thank you that you've written to us a letter of what it means to follow after you and a history of the fact that your people have always struggled in a world that is far from you, but also We've always been called from the very beginning to put our eyes on you. So help us, Lord. Help us to live in such a way that others would see the glory of God through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and that particular phrase, in such a way, is what the Lord highlighted to me. In such a way. We can talk about light and having light. Every Christian has light. But I remember, you know, as I've... I, those of you who've gotten to know me pretty well, you've gotten to know, I enjoy the outdoors. I like to go camping, and I like being out at night. I'm one of those crazy people who likes to be out in the woods in the dark. And, uh, but it's, you know, it helps to have a good flashlight when you do, though. So I'm, I'm, I'm always at the, at the hardware store, and I'm in, in, you know, I walk by the flashlights, and I have a problem. I just have to stop and look, because I love bright flashlights. And I'm like, how many lumens is that, baby, you know? Uh, I got this uh, light in my garage that, that is like 
7,000 lumens. That thing's amazing. It's like if you stare at it for too long, it'll burn your retina. It's amazing. Um, I love that thing. It's great for working on a car at night, you know? And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I just really love bright light. But even a bright light, if it's misused, can actually be destructive, right? If you take a bright light and shine it in your eye, for instance, like I just said, that's a terrible idea. If you take a bright light and you, let's say, let's say you're driving your car and your headlights pointed in the wrong direction, you can't see the road. That's not very helpful, even though it's bright. And, and, and so it's, it's important for us as believers, not only to have the light, but to have it pointed in the right direction. To have our light pointed in such a way that people actually see the glory of God through us. We don't want to be obnoxious, like shine in their eyes, but we want to light the, light the path for them. It's important for us to understand that not only should we be full of the light, but we also need to be directed in the right place so that people can see the glory of God through us. We, we, look, some people, because their hearts are hard, are going to find themselves cursing God no matter what. That's reality. But we don't want to be the reason why they find themselves cursing God, right? We, we, we want to be out of the way as much as we can so that the Holy Spirit can move. We want to be illuminators of the glory of Christ. Or as we are going to be hearing a lot this year, we want to be diffusers of God's grace. And I want to share a little bit about what that means because that's a theme. That's a word I believe God gave me personally and we've discussed it as elders. The word diffuse. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit more here in a minute. But I want to read you a quote from the book Escape from Reason by Francis Schaeffer. This is an excerpt from the, actually the introduction to the book. And here's what he wrote. He said, if a man goes overseas for any length of time, he would expect to learn the language of the country in which he is going. More than this is needed, however, if he is to really communicate with the people among whom he is living. He must learn another language. That is, the thought forms of the people to whom he speaks. Not only, or let's say, only so will he have real communication with them and to them. So it is with the Christian church. Its responsibility is not only to hold the basic scriptural principles of the Christian faith, but to communicate these unchanging truths into the generation in which it is living. Do you understand what he's saying? It's not just enough to know the things of God. We have to speak the truth of God into our culture that we live in. The church throughout all of history has spent a lot of time understanding the truths of the gospel, and that's good. And there have been times in the church where we were incredibly strong theologically, but we weren't very good missiologically, okay? Like, what is that big word that the pastor just used? Look, missiology is the study of mission, okay? And we have to be just as strong theologically as we are missiologically and vice versa. A church that is strong on mission but is not good on theology will tend liberal. We'll do all the mercy and compassion stuff without the truth of the gospel. And a church that is strong theologically without the, the missiology will trend towards legalism. And we'll have all the right ideas, but won't have any love to go with it. And you see how that can get out of balance so easily. And I believe in many ways in the American evangelical church, we have been out of balance for a very long time. 
By and large, many of our churches have been strong in theology, but we haven't been very good in the practice of our theology or the missiology. That is the heart that is extended out towards the world in compassion. So we find a lot of Christians today who tend to look at the world as this big bad monster that we have to attack or avoid. And that is not the way Jesus called us to look at the world. As far as our part, for generations in the American church, and really in the Western church in general, but especially in the American church, we've kind of had a home-filled advantage for a while, right? Because the culture was Christianized. I can't say that it was Christian, because there's been a lot of messed up stuff in the culture, right? But it was Christianized. There was sort of like a Christian ethic that permeated everything. We talk about the Judeo-Christian worldview and how it was the baseline for American life. People were even applauded for making Christian worship a part of their life, even by people who were far from God, right? You remember a time like that when people were like, wow, it was really good that you're a churchgoer. That's not really my thing, but man, I applaud you for making that a part of your life. You don't hear that too much anymore. We were able to show up to these nice, large, air-conditioned facilities in relative comfort, surrounded by people who had similar ideas as ours, and we were able to worship together. We were able to hear uh, gospel-informed sermons. Sometimes they were a little bit more of the self-improvement genre, but they're generally still pretty gospel-informed. Because the reality is we really didn't have a whole lot of issues. We weren't afraid of much. There wasn't much for us to be aware of. So we were just focused on trying to be a better Christian. And we were, we were pretty comfortable. The church and our values were, tended to be concentrated in our homes and in our holy spaces. But by and large... We didn't feel the need to bring those things out in public space. So a lot of Christians, our faith has been very private. We haven't done enough applying our faith out in the world. Now, this matters because when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, salt is useless unless it is applied where it is necessary. Salt isn't doing much if it stays in the shaker. And I, I believe for a long time we've kept our faith in the shaker way too much. And we haven't sprinkled it in places that need to be preserved. Not nearly enough. I, I spent a lot of time studying missions and theology of missions because it's a part of my seminary degree. <laughs> I have a Master of Arts in Theology and uh, my emphasis was in mission. Okay, and, um, and, and I studied a lot of cross-cultural missions, not because I felt like the Lord was calling me to go overseas. I've never felt that call, except for one time I thought I might go to Amsterdam as a rock star, and my mom talked me out of that one. But anyway, I was like, hey, we can share Jesus in the red light district. My mom's like, I don't know. It seems kind of sketchy, and I'm um, grateful for my mom and, and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Um, but, you know, I, I've never really felt a call to overseas missions. I've always felt called to home to the United States, and particularly to Oklahoma. They call us the buckle of the Bible belt, right? I've always thought, what happens if we lose the Bible belt? What happens to the conscience of the rest of the country? 
And so the Lord gave me a passion to come home, to stay in Oklahoma, to build, uh, to build an identity, a, a missional identity to reach our state, which is the buckle of the Bible belt, right? For the buckle, we don't seem to be very tight. I'm just, but, but there's so much that's loose around us, and, and there's this cultural identity where we think, well, we're good. We have this Christian value system, but the reality is we're not really very Christian in the way that we live. We've got to think missionally as much as we think theologically because it's the character and the heart of God to be on mission. The Holy Spirit is missional. So, so here's, here's the thing. If we're a church that is full of the Holy Spirit, doesn't that mean that we would be doing more of the stuff of the Holy Spirit who's going after hearts and souls, who's going into hard places and trying to break, out, break up hard soil? The Holy Spirit is on mission. How do I know that? Because when Jesus sent him out, he said the Holy Spirit would, would, would yes, come alongside the church in comfort, but he would also convict people's hearts of sin, people who don't know Jesus. He's on mission all around us. And it's, it's always been the church's job to find out where the Holy Spirit is moving and go and join him in his work. For decades, I, I think, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. For decades, I think that we've been thinking like Israel in exile. We have to understand, we don't have home field advantage in this country anymore. Things are changing. Being salt and light is really about getting what we have in us, out into a world that desperately needs what we have in us. It's about allowing Christ to do through us what he's done to us. And it's about being active. We cannot be a passive church in today's world. We can't show up to our church buildings and have Sunday services and expect that that's going to be enough to, to see America continue on a Christian trend because it is not working and it's not happening. This country is trending in a direction that is anything but Christian. And if we want to see a change, church, can I just say it's, it's up to us to do what Jesus called us to do. And I'm not preaching this as a, this is not like a me pounding my Bible over our head and saying, you know, get your act together. I mean, the Holy Spirit may do that to you. I'm just laying out to you what I believe and what God has spoken to me, the conviction that I have, that it's our job as the church. Jesus, Jesus called the church to be the primary channel through which he works his mission in this world. So if the church isn't doing it, no one else is going to. The university's not doing it. The government's not doing it. Social organizations aren't doing it. Nonprofits aren't doing it. Because you know why Jesus has called us to do it. We are the ones who are called to speak his truth and to shine his light into the world. I'm going to say a statement that I think is a really important statement. And, and I realize this probably will offend a few people, but that's okay. We've got to stop trying to win a culture war and get back to trying to win a war for the hearts of men and women. We 
we have got to stop trying to win a culture war and get back to the war for the hearts of men and women. That's what Christ is about. We are called to be a preservative. Salt. You're the salt of the world. Salt has to be applied. You are the light, Jesus says. It's dark around us right now. And if the room is going to light up, guess what the room needs? Light. And it is you and it is me. And it is Christ in us and through us. But we also have to allow that light to shine in us in a way and, and direct it in such a way that people see the glory of God through us. We talked about the word diffuse a minute ago. Um, there's two definitions that I drew for this word. Uh, one is the verb, and it is to spread or cause to spread over a wide area or among a large number of people. Seems a lot like what Jesus had in mind when he gave us his great commission. Am I right? That this thing wouldn't be just kept. Remember they tried to keep it in Jerusalem for a little while? They tried to keep it amongst just Jewish believers. You, get, you guys remember that? At the very beginning of Acts, they were just like, hey, this is so cool. They, like we have the Holy Spirit. We have all this cool stuff, glory cloud, all this awesome stuff's going on. And then what happened? They weren't doing the stuff that Jesus called them to do. They were, they were sitting and they were soaking and Jesus wanted them to go. And so, yeah, the persecution came, and they were dispersed, and he forced it. And what ends up happening is they go all over the world, and a few of them land in Antioch, where a bunch of people get saved, and Antioch busts it, and will throw it everywhere. As an adjective, the definition is to spread out over a large area, not concentrated. Not concentrated. And here's the thing, I don't think Jesus is going to allow us as the believers in this country to remain concentrated in pockets. I think, well, I think the pandemic is actually maybe a foreshadowing of this. There have been times when we weren't able to meet. So what happened? We had to disperse into our neighborhoods and we were worshiping God in our living rooms. And the light of Christ was spread out in the city. We're going to talk about three ways that we diffuse grace. We're just going to run through these because they're important. But, but, but again, remember, the call here of Jesus in verse 16 of Matthew 5 is let your light shine in such a way so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven in such a way. So what is that way? That's, that's, that's the practice of letting our light shine in such a way, right? Diffuse grace through the clear and steady proclamation of the gospel. We need to start here because it's, it's important. There are a lot of proclamations of the gospel in our world that are not the gospel of Christ. There was a prayer given at Congress recently that was by a man who calls himself a Christian minister. And let me tell you that that prayer that was offered was not 
a prayer rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was on our congressional floor. There have been calls by government leaders to things which are abominations to the Lord. And we need to recognize what they are and call them false. We need to be the prophetic voice of God in this culture, drawing people back to a biblical worldview. They may not agree with us at every point. They won't. Can I just say that? They won't agree with us at every point. And sometimes we're going to make them angry, but we shouldn't be approaching this with malicious intent or out of anger. We've got to be approaching these things out of love. But we've got to clearly proclaim gospel truth. And we've got to steadily proclaim it. And, and Paul tells us in, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we're called, well, I'm going to focus on the part where he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because here's why. Because we have to be in Jesus ourselves Right? We have to have our identity lined up with who he is first before, and we have to know his message well internally if we're going to help others to know who Jesus is and what the truth is. In other words, you need to know this word. We've got to make a commitment to make our lives about this, about knowing Christ, first and foremost. We are not going to be able to minister to a world that needs the gospel unless we are saturated in the gospel. We've got to change the way that we're living day to day. I don't know what this looks like for everybody, but, but I know that something that the Lord has called me to over the past couple years is to read a lot more scripture than I used to. I, and some of you guys know, I've told you that I've committed to read through the entire Bible multiple times a year because I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, you be saturated in my word. And if I read the Bible for 30 minutes or an hour a day, that is not time wasted. It's not. Especially if I spend time in prayer and meditation with it. It's it's about His presence washing over us. I would encourage every one of us to think about this. What does it look like for you to become a person who is saturated in the gospel? Who's, Who's... Every waking moment is caught up in the glory of God. And who knows the Bible so well that you can spot a counterfeit right when it shows up. And who has the boldness to speak up when you see it. When you see a friend slipping down a a bad path. To speak the word clearly means that our emphasis is squarely on Jesus without hesitation. Our emphasis has to be on Christ and Him alone. Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that renewed mind look like? A renewed mind is focused on Jesus. And, and, and being steady means that we, we don't waver off the true message of the gospel for anything. We don't waver from it because of popularity. We don't waver from it because of pressure. We hold our ground. And we stick to the gospel as the center of our lives. Our confidence is in Christ alone. And our eyes must remain on Jesus alone. I want to read for you a passage out of Hebrews. And uh, as I was praying through this, this, this just kept coming to my mind, um, 
and I, I couldn't get off of it. And usually when, the, when that happens, then I feel like it's something that the Lord wants us to focus on. So this is out of Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Here's what he writes. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you, you may receive what was promised. For in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Then if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Listen to this. This is the Lord, this is the Holy Spirit speaking over you and me this morning. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. I just say to you this morning, Christian, you are not of those who shrink back when tested. That is not your lot in Christ this morning. You are more than conquerors in Christ. And in Revelation, we're told that we will conquer by the word. Thank you. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What Christ has done to you has built in you a foundation of grace, which has then implanted in you a better testimony. One about Jesus, not one of yourself, not one about a culture, not even one about one of the greatest nations which has ever existed in the history of the world. But the kingdom of God is greater than these things, and your, your citizenship is in the kingdom because you're in Christ. We are are strong in him we have endurance in him and i want to encourage you this morning and me this morning can we just lean into jesus more and you may feel like you're really leaning into him quite a bit but can i encourage you you got to lean even more into jesus than you have the second one is that we diffuse grace through righteous living this is really important we diffuse grace through righteous living Remember what I said, we, some, there, th that in the church, sometimes you have churches that get the theology right, but they don't get the, the, the missiology, right? And then you have churches that get the missiology, but they don't get the theology. Well, having your identity aligned with Christ, see, that fixes your theology. You know who you are in relationship to the Father. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. Uh, we hit a little technical glitch at this part and lost our recording for a little bit. So I just wanted to uh, jump in here and let you all know um, we missed a little section. But anyway, the rest of it uh, was caught. So uh, we're going to jump right back into it. But it may feel a little bit out of uh, context because we did miss just a little bit. So thank you for your patience. Christian lives. Here's what he says. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, that's an important statement. Church, that we're not to be overcome by the evil in this world, but rather we're to overcome the evil of this world with the goodness of Christ. So I just want to give a couple of thoughts as we close. And I want us to pray this morning, by the way. We, we, we need to pray for our country. We, we need to pray for people around us who are hurting and broken. We need to pray for 
people who feel like their last resort and the only thing they have is to lash out in violence. And, and by the way, this isn't any different whether it's a Black Lives Matter protest or it's a pro-Trump rally. It's the same sin that's at the heart of both of those. It's a desire for control. It's a, feel, it's a feeling of helplessness. And rather than turning to Christ, we turn inward. And we've been talking about this for a while. One of the greatest problems in humanity is that we tend to turn inward rather than towards God and repentance. We've got to be a people of repentance, turning away from self and towards Jesus. That is the road to peace. So we need to understand that these people who are angry and who are rioting and all, they're coming from a broken heart and they need to see Jesus. That's the only resolution. Two things, this has to be done in public. All these things we're talking about, this, this, this shining our light, allowing Christ to diffuse his grace through us. We, this has to be done publicly. We cannot do it in private anymore. We won't change the culture if the majority of evangelical Christians continue keeping their Christian faith private. Amen. It's not good enough for people to know we are nice. Okay? They need to know that we are transformed by Christ and that's why we're different. They've got to know that. And, and, and the second thing is that our motivation has to be the glory of God alone. Here's, here's a couple things. If our motivation is to win a culture where we won't reveal Christ, if our motivation is that we would be seen rather than Christ be seen through us, people are just going to see us as a bunch of religious zealots. They're not going to see the goodness of Christ in us. If if God's glory is the motivation, I truly believe this, we can change the world. We can change our culture because his power is going to go with us because do you know what the Holy Spirit loves? To glorify Christ. And do you know what Christ loves? To bring glory to the Father. So if we are about the glory of God, here's what I know. I know the Holy Spirit will meet us in that place and we will, we will see amazing things happen if our motivation is the same thing that motivates the heart of God. We can die to the pressure to try and save America. I know that's a hard thing to say, but I believe we need to say it. We need to die to the pressure to try and save America. We've got to die to the pressure for people to like us. And we've got to fully embrace the Father's pleasure over us as the only approval that we need. We've got to embrace his mission to see the light of Christ put into every nook and cranny of this world as our motivation as well. I happen to believe that if we let go of those dreams and aspirations and run headlong after Christ, we might actually see America saved in the process, but it can't be our motivation. Just like when you go into a marriage, you can't be looking to that spouse for happiness or else the marriage will implode. You've got to look to Christ for everything that you need, and then you'll serve one another, and you'll love one another, and you'll have a good marriage. But it has to be selfless love with your heart pointed to Christ, and the same is true right now in this situation. If our hearts are pointed selflessly towards Jesus, and we say, our eyes are on you, we're about your glory, we want people to see you through us, and Jesus, I yield myself to your purpose for my life that others would see you through me. I'm going to be public about it and I'll accept the licks when they come. I just want people to see your glory in me. 
God can use us. God can use us to transform a broken and dying world. So yeah, okay, our world is changing. There's no doubt about that now. Our world is changing. But the question that we have to ask is, are we going to be a part of what God is doing to redeem our world today? Or will we be distracted by the world that we wanted or the world that we used to have? The world that we live in today is the one that we have. And Jesus, catch this, Jesus placed you and me here for such a time as this. We're here for a reason. We're here because God has designed us to be his operatives in this time. With his help, I I just believe we can do this. We can live in such a way that people will see Christ through us even as this country continues to change. I don't know what it's going to look like in the future. Honestly, I don't have a great outlook. (laughs) I just don't. But, But here's what I can tell you. I know that we have a mission and we have a purpose. And I also know that we have a Holy Spirit and I believe we can do this. And by the way, let's not forget, Jesus said the gates of hell are not going to prevail against this church. We'll stand. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you today? And how do you need to move in your life so that you can join him where he's calling you to be? I don't think we're very far off in our church, honestly. I think we have a lot of good things going. Um, I'm actually, uh, can I be honest with you guys? I'm relatively optimistic. And you may be like, well, Pastor Nick, you're always optimistic about everything. Look, I am. I am relatively optimistic. I know that there are some things probably in this message that are kind of hard things, but things that we've got to consider right now. I actually believe that we have a better future than we have past. I I do. And I believe that God's going to do great things in America. I don't think God's done with America. I also don't think he's done with his church in America by any stretch of the imagination. But I also believe we need an alignment right now. I believe our wheels might be a little wobbly. Maybe, maybe we need a valve adjustment in our engine. I don't know. You know, we, but, but we just, we've got to have some alignment. And Jesus is, what he's calling us to right now is just to think about where we are. And, and what are, even if they're very subtle movements, what are some movements I can make so that I can be most aligned with, with his will and his goodness right now so that we can be maximally effective for the next years we ready to do that to allow him to move us i want to ask pastor dwight and pastor richard to come we're going to spend some time in prayer this morning and for those of you who are watching online i would just encourage you just to where you are just spend some time in prayer because i believe the church needs to pray today Um, we have a lot of difficulty that we're facing And trust me, I am not, I don't feel like we're under some extreme persecution. I know what my Chinese brothers and sisters are going through. I know what the Iranian church is going through. We're we're lightweights compared to those guys. But we do need to understand that there is something. There is a cultural shift. And um, prayer matters. Prayer matters. We have authority in prayer. We can ask the Lord to intervene. We are kingdom people. And so... I would encourage you just with a few people around you to maybe just spend a moment just praying for our nation. Whatever God's put on your heart, maybe we have some specific, specific things, maybe even some prophetic words. We, I just want to engage the Lord this morning for a little while. So let's, let's take some time. Either of you have any...
Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to the New Covenant Fellowship podcast. We want to connect with you. You can visit us online at ncfokc.org for more information about our church. If God spoke to you and you'd like prayer, please text us at 405-518-5164 and we will get back with you. God bless and have a great day.